I'm here today with Jack Crawford. He is a co-founder at Impact Venture Capital. Jack, welcome to today's show. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Jack, you have a remarkable career. Uh, you started out in the accounting world. Yes. And uh, but for the listeners, can you um, can you can you take us up to date from uh, from your your college days and what led you to go into the venture venture world? Sure. I, I think uh, you know accounting. Uh, the pace of accounting can sometimes be a bit slow. Uh, the fast moving. Uh, innovative area of technology was always uh, fascinating to me. And the idea of taking an idea and creating value in a short period of time was was extremely interesting. And so over time, I just, uh, after uh, being the founder and, and CEO of four different early stage technology companies, I realized that um, I loved working with seed and early stage companies, empowering people and taking ideas and turning them into products and products into companies. And it sort of led me, if you sort of blend you know, accounting and, and finance and, and sort of these entrepreneurial endeavors, it sort of drove me straight into venture capital, where you have an opportunity to build a portfolio of companies and work with entrepreneurs to help their dreams come true uh, and create some financial value along the way. So I would say your gift, although we call you an accountant, uh, removing that stereotype, you're more a person involved with strategy and vision? I think that's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so the, the, the whole genesis of impact? How, what led you into the co-founder role? You know, I had uh, an opportunity to uh, participate in the Kauffman Fellows Program, a two-year leadership program uh, for venture capitalists. And I met Eric Ball, who at that time was working at Oracle, uh, reporting to Larry Ellison, uh, working on large-scale acquisitions, I think more than 100 acquisitions. Well, a few of those acquisitions were multi-billion dollar acquisitions, Sun Microsystems, BEA, PeopleSoft. And or Eric ended up with a, an orphan portfolio from the investments that Sun and PeopleSoft and BEA had made um, prior to the acquisition uh, by Oracle, and he was looking for someone to manage out that portfolio. So I I, I did that successfully and actually uh, produced um, a, significant, a significant amount of return for Oracle in managing out that portfolio. But most importantly, it gave Eric and I an opportunity to work closely together. And uh, we got to know each other personally in the Kauffman Fellows Program and then professionally working on uh, portfolio management for Oracle. And we, to make a long story short, started co-investing uh, together and alongside of Dixon Dahl, um, of course, the legend in the Silicon Valley and, and built DCM up to $3 billion under management. I think uh, DCM's invested in more than 20 companies that have achieved a billion-dollar valuation. So we were thrilled to invest and candidly learn um, from, uh, from Dixon uh, through this co-investment strategy. And after a couple of years of doing that, we just determined that we ought to formalize this. And, and effectively, we did with the, uh, with the launch of Impact Venture Capital. So the, the, it's fairly competitive in uh, Silicon Valley for venture dollars right now, isn't it? It is. When you, um, when you think about the, the venture world, how do you differentiate Impact from another fund. Yeah, we do um, a couple of things that we think are interesting and have catalyzed unique sources of, of deal flow force. Uh, first of all, the three of us come from very different um, sort of worlds. Uh, Eric in the corporate setting, uh, me from the, sort of the entrepreneurial and, and, uh, and uh, corporate, uh, some, some corporate venture activity. Uh, and, and Dixon, of course, you know, d- d- two decades of experience in the venture capital industry. Uh, generationally, we're different. Uh, and, um, so, and the networks of relationships have provided us with uh, interesting access to deal flow. So the networks are unique. But from a differentiation standpoint, we're actively investing alongside of corporate venture groups. There's been a rise of, of corporate venture capital where they, these corporates have determined that they're going to figure out new ways to access innovation outside their four walls. And so they're 
investing, they're co-investing uh, into uh, into companies directly. They're sponsoring innovation programs and events. Um, and uh, and another element of 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 what we're doing is we're running large scale innovation programs. So you've had venture funds that run demo days and and have CEO forums on a large scale. Our last global venture summit included 1,100 attendees, and we hosted it at an NBA basketball arena. And so from from that perspective, what we're finding is that the ability to mobilize an ecosystem and play a bit of a thought leader uh, by uh, by by hosting these innovation programs is uh, is an element of differentiation. And then lastly, I'd say that we think some of the most interesting areas of innovation are being influenced by policy. So if you look at autonomous vehicles, clearly things like citizen safety are going to be uh, critically important. If you look at even social media, uh, privacy ends up being a pretty important thing. So the more that we understand about uh, how policy is shaping innovation and the ability to create value, we believe it's it's elevating our investing IQ. So we have our headquarters here in Silicon Valley, and then we have a satellite office up in Sacramento near some of the policymakers so that we can be a thought leader in that space as well. I'm visiting here today with Jack Crawford. He is a co-founder of Impact Venture Capital. And Jack, I need to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after these messages. Grandpa, can we do chemistry? Papa, Grandpa, let's do something fun. We'll help you stay organized so you can focus on what really matters in life. Give us a call today and see how we can help you start saving taxes. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm visiting here today with Jack Crawford. He's a co-founder at Impact Venture Capital. And Jack, the first segment we established, you know, how you rolled out from, uh, you know, the, the world of accounting and you're really more of a strategist to, you know, being involved with four startup companies and then uh, and then launching into this new uh, new fund, uh, Impact Venture Capital. But I, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about, you know, my head spins from all this digital media coming forward. And uh, and, and you have some thoughts on a, a going on a digital diet. <laughs> yeah. OK, can you share that with us? How how? Sure, a couple thoughts. Um, you know, I'm I'm amazed that we're all trying to manage our lives through a 13-inch monitor or a five-inch screen on our on our mobile phones, and I'm I'm wondering if there's a way to sort of break out and leverage the traditional experience of strategic planning that many of us use um, in our day-to-day business uh, life, managing uh, in our case, you know, uh, a portfolio of tech companies and trying to help them with strategy and document annual goals and and how we're going to get there apply some of those skills to our life and sort of break out of, uh, in a sense, the, uh, the digital world for, uh, for a second. So over the last 10 years, I've, I've tried a, a number of different ideas in my own house, a living lab, if you will, uh, for deploying a strategic planning model for life. And this includes sort of um, uh, walls of dream boards and, and, uh, and thinking about, um, you know, sort of what, uh, in a sense, uh, the goals um, that have been established um, for my personal life, how, how they could potentially integrate in with what I'm trying to do professionally. And as opposed to thinking about it as my work life and my personal life, uh, figuring out a tool set, if you will, for the one life that we have to live. You know, it's, it's interesting. Oftentimes, we fail to remember that we are on this timeline, a linear timeline. When you talk about the one life to live, when a person's looking at strategy, how do we make the most out of life? Yeah, I think uh, one 
concept that I'm testing. And again, I'm sharing some of my research and some of my ideas and I actually formalized them in a thesis project as part of my Kaufman Fellows project that I, that I mentioned earlier. But I'm, I'm working through some of these ideas to effectively crowdsource ideas from others uh, so that I can understand, in a sense, what they're doing. Some of the things that, that I've tried is, is basically utilizing strategic planning skills in my personal life um, by literally documenting uh, some of the things that, um, that I'm trying to achieve in the next year. And uh, what is my family trying to achieve in the next year? And, and one element of this is, is taking place in the form of a, a dream board. So up on my wall in my home office are, are places I'd like to go and things I'd like to be and, and people I'd like to meet and, um, and things I'd like to have. And in, in addition to that, um, my family has documented uh, their, uh, their goals uh, and, and things that they'd like to see happen. And I, I view this dream board as a way to understand what's really important in life and ways to, to your point, to, to get leverage. How could I execute on one initiative um, and get multiple positive outcomes from this? And so quickly, I'll, I'll mention um, one idea. Sure, we can drive our, our car um, uh, fr- from work to home and listen to an audiobook, right? And, and sort of, you know, not only get the transportation uh, home, but also listen to something interesting. Sure, we can go biking with a friend if we're trying to get in shape ourselves and spend some time with, with friends. But when, when I think about leverage in life, um, I'll give you an example. My son and I started an entrepreneur's club at his school. This was an opportunity for me to spend more time with my son, contribute to the school that I, that I, that I care about, uh, learn about how kids are using technology, teach something that I'm passionate about. I was getting sort of four elements of value by allocating a little bit of time um, that aligned with my dream board. Uh, I think this concept of leverage can only happen if we're proactively living, really thinking through how we're managing our lives in a, in a proactive way. I love this concept about living life to the fullest and making sure, you know, so many people go through life and say, let me plan for retirement when I'm 65, 70 years old. And they, they, they come to the age and then they're fighting to stay alive. You know, and, and they miss this whole window of opportunities. So I, one of the things that, that, that you outline in, um, in, in, in your thesis is that of, uh, of patterns, setting patterns for living and making the most out of life. So how do you suggest we go about that? Yeah, you know, one thought is, is I find that most people are either looking to optimize their life um, with a new set of routines or pivot. They're just not happy with how things are going and they want to go in a different direction. And so in an effort to, to uh, optimize or, or, or to pivot, um, oftentimes you need to understand sort of where you're headed. What's the target? What's the destination? And then establish a routine, a set of routines for, for getting there. I don't know if you've heard the Japanese term aikiga, but it's a, it's a term that basically speaks to your purpose in life. And I think as people do some self-awareness exercises, they start to think about sort of four quadrants. What, what do they really like doing? What are they actually good at? how can they positively impact the world and how can they make money? And if you look at those sort of four quadrants of areas and start to assess sort of where are you actually interested, where are your dreams leading you, you might find that your purpose is right at the center of those things. And as you start to think about your own life's purpose, then you can start to think through the patterns or routines or tiny habits that you might adopt that will allow you to get traction in those areas. For me, candidly, it was starting with uh, that exercise 
uh, some strength finders exercise, reading through focus books like the essentialism from essentialism from Greg McEwen and and uh, some of these other great books that that uh, that are out there, um, and then zeroing in on a set of core values that I wanted to focus on for my own life. Uh, and so I, what I've been doing is as as part of a strategy that is outlined in uh, Miracle Morning, um, which talks about systematizing your morning routine. I've been waking up and looking at the core values that I want to live my life by. I've been looking at this dream board, which is a visual on uh, my wall, which shows my own dreams with colored stickies in, in one color and my, my family's dreams and in, in other colors up on the, uh, the visual wall. And then I've been going through sort of this year's objectives to determine ultimately what's important now and how can I make literally today a great day. So just briefly, people talk a lot about optimizing your, your, your body in the morning, you know, getting a workout, getting, getting some fuel, coffee, uh, uh, good breakfast, um, maybe having an attitude of gratitude. Once you're in that physical and mental positive state of, of appreciation and enthusiasm about where your life is headed, once you've gotten to that point, I like the idea of pointing it toward the things that I'm trying to achieve that day. Personally, professionally, how can I make today a great day? And I think systematizing your morning routine is a big part of of um, achieving maybe um, some progress toward your goals. But you have to understand, in a sense, what your goals are, what your purpose is, what's going to be, you know, sort of uh, lead you to fulfillment in life. And um, so that self-awareness exercise followed by a set of, of morning routines, I think, aligns everything, at least for me. You know, I really love the way you lay that out in a systematized approach to you got a wall with your dream board on it, and then you say, what do I need to do to, to implement a daily routine to move me towards getting to the next level? It's kind of like going up a staircase. Sure, it? sure. And I think sometimes you need what, what many books have referred to as activation energy. If you're, if you're trying to improve your health, then maybe you're setting gym clothes and, and sneakers right next to your bed. You know, that, that's the tiny routine that, that you adopt. If you're trying to figure out ways to maximize the amount of, of uh, time with your family, and maybe you start looking for professional opportunities or or um, other ways to integrate your family into um, your, uh, your 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 professional life. Alan, you've done it with your radio show. You have uh, family members that are they're involved and um, contributing great value to to what you do with this radio show. I, I feel like I'm doing and learning about how digital natives like my my teenage son are are thinking about entrepreneurship and technology through this effort with the Entrepreneurs Club. So I, I think that in each of these areas, you can look for uh, ways to accomplish uh, your goals with new routines, new tiny habits, new initiatives, um, if you're thoughtful and proactive about it. You know, what I love about this is that um, as you go through and you're setting your dream board and you know being involved with the routines and the entrepreneur club, involving others and helping them to fulfill visions and, uh, and strategy seems to be a lot more fulfilling. Yeah, for me, uh, it's where I've seen that the most actually is I'm involved in a group called the Entrepreneurs Organization. And it's uh, me and 10 other CEOs that sit around a table uh, for four hours once a month, actually a pretty significant uh, amount of time for, for, for busy people. Uh, and we share um, what's going on in our lives personally, with our families and professionally. I think there's something about including other people in an authentic way and experience, experience sharing. Um, and, and in fact, I, I view this group as kind of an advisory board for life because yeah. I'm, I see how they're managing their, their lives and I, I share with them how I'm, I'm, I'm managing mine. And I think the deeper you go, the more authentic you can be um, about some of these types of topics, 
the more you learn candidly. And so the idea of crowdsourcing best practices on how people are, are living their lives doesn't come easy. But once you start to share this type of information, you see the other morning routines that other CEOs are using or people who seem to have a really uh, deep relationship with their family. How are they making the time in, in sort of, you know, paying their bills and, and, and sort of, you know, uh, uh, executing professionally, but still allocating time to, to coach their kids or, or make time for their kids. Uh, I think there's a lot to be learned by, by, uh, experience sharing. You know, and it, it, it's not easy really opening up to a group of other individuals, is it? It's not. I, I think that the, the value is you find, you start to scratch the surface and then you go a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. And what you find is that you get this amazing amount of value back that's directly relevant to your own life. And, uh, and so I, that's why I've appreciated through the Kaufman Fellows Organization and through the Entrepreneurs Organization and then the living lab of my own family, just sharing uh, ideas with my wife, my kids and friends. You work with companies and individuals who are trying to launch their dreams, but I want to spend a few minutes talking about you know, how does a person really find their core values in life? And, and how, you know, knowing that what platform am I on and does that platform change according to the group that I'm surrounded with? Sure. I, and I think there's a couple of comments that I'd make. I think Benjamin Franklin had 13 principles that he was going to live his life by. I think he developed it when he was 19 years old and they never changed. Um, for me, when I, when I think about what's important to me, uh, fitness has been really important to me, you know, uh, just staying healthy, uh, family. Um, there's a lot of things in the finance um, uh, area that, that, that I'm focused on, um, from the standpoint of, uh, of fun, you know, just making sure to establish uh, time for adventure uh, and those things. And then faith, you know, those are the five F's if you will, for, for me, what, what I found is I l- literally l- reviewed a list of 300 core values and I pulled those off that, that resonated with me. And I looked at my set of activities. How was I spending my time and my money and where was my, where was my brain sort of gravitating toward and those five areas were, were things that resonated with me. Those, those are likely to be different for everybody on the planet, right? But I found that my life seemed to tuck neatly into those five areas. So I started to look at bold moves that I could make in some of those areas. And a, a bold move fitness-wise was signing up for an Ironman event. I didn't know if I'd be able to train and complete it or be able to avoid injury candidly. Um, but uh, it was one of those things where if, if this is really important to me, why don't I make the bold move of signing up for something that seems impossible and, and go prove that it's that it's possible. On the, the, the finance side, it's, you know, it's not easy to create a, a venture capital firm from an idea. Uh, and so in each of these areas, what I've tried to do, whether it was, you know, family or finance or fitness or fun or, or even faith, um, or where I've, I've done things like um, joining Bible studies and and other things where, where you sort of take a step forward. And what you find is that it cements, uh, in a sense, your alignment with that core value. So I like this idea of selecting five core values. And there's lists all over the internet of, of core values that you can select and see which ones resonate with you. And then establishing a bold move that you can make in that category. And then looking for a set of tiny habits or new routines that you're going to adopt that allows you to live that life. And so it doesn't mean that you're that person on day one, but you're certainly trending toward, uh, you know, that person and, and sort of, uh, to me, I think that gets you closer to what life's purpose is all about is, is living and making decisions by those core values. I love that. And it's so well articulated those, those five S the, the family, the faith, the fun, the fitness, and the last 
Family? Did you mention family? Family, family fitness, fun, faith, finance. Finance. Yeah. Got it. All right. I did it. So um, an individual that wants to contact you for uh, you know more information on Impact Venture sure. Capital, how would they do that? Uh, they can they can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me on social media. They're also welcome to write me with my first name, Jack, at impactvc.com. Uh, happy, happy to uh, receive emails. And, and what are expectations? Uh, you know, coming in, obviously, you're very popular. A lot of companies coming to you. But, but how does a person... You know, how do you decide who I want to work with versus who I don't want to? Uh, from a venture capital perspective, you're speaking of, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. If, mm-hmm. if from an investment standpoint, we're looking at you know, kind of market, uh, technology, team, and finances, the areas of due diligence that that um, we think are most important. And so, as we qualify entrepreneurs to to collaborate with and to you know partner with and candidly to invest in, we'll look at the overall size of the of the market. We'll look at the 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 the, the technology itself. And does this company have the ability to create a sustainable technology advantage? Um, the caliber of the team. Have you been involved in venture-backed deals before? Have you been involved in exits before? And then the financial model. How capital efficient is the company? Um, so if you look at our website and look at the existing portfolio companies that you know, we we set the bar pretty high. Uh, and um, and we're excited about the companies that um, that we work with. We try and do a lot to add value beyond capital. Um, we don't want to just be in an an investor and someone who sits on the board and plays kind of a compliance role. We're trying to add value by connecting to corporates, by connecting to potentially policymakers, by showcasing your company at some of our innovation programs. So we're trying to add significant value beyond capital. And as 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 Kaufman, you know, often uh, talks about, you know, try and be smart, connected capital. And that that's the way we add value to entrepreneurs. And that's the filtering system that we go through to find the best entrepreneurs. Jack, it's been a pleasure having you with us today. Um, unfortunately, we're out of time, and uh, but we appreciate you being with us and explaining the the process that you found and the strategies for life, and also about your uh, the the firm that you co-founded there, Impact Venture Capital. Thanks for joining us here on American Dreams, and join us next week right here on this station. Have a great week.